Yeah. Oh, did you guys hear that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my husband was supposed to come and be my 10 minute speaker and he bailed. <laughs> uh, so I called my buddy Gerald to see if he would come. And I just thought it would be funny to make him be somebody's 10 minute speaker. Have you ever been a 10 minute speaker? Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> you had to think about it though. Yeah. Um, so thank you for coming and filling in. Um, yeah, I too, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you know, I found some things here that I distinctly did not want when I came here. In fact, some of the things that I found here that are some of the greatest gifts are things that kept me from wanting to come, frankly. Um, you know, and two things that come top of mind. Um, I found a relationship with a power greater than myself. That was for sure the thing that was most keeping me from ever coming here. And the second thing was I really found a family here and I did not want to be close to anybody. Like when everybody wanted to come and hug me after the meeting, I, that was awful for me. I was like, don't touch me. <laughs> um, and it's because, you know, I was just hurting, you know, and um, the way that I respond to that is um, with a lot of anger and um, tough girlness and um, I'm going to get you before you get me. <laughs> and um, I think it's got to say, it's I think it's softened me. I think AA has softened me. Um, <laughs> Definitely lost my street cred. <laughs> um, so uh, I am from Chicago. I was chatting with a, my fellow Bears fan back there. We're in our building years. We're excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to living a hopeless existence from when I was drinking. So it's not hard to be a Bears fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blackhawks, yeah. Um, and, you know, I grew up in a real messed up family. Um, you know, I experienced physical, emotional, sexual abuse, and I was pretty um, messed up from a really young age. A lot of that came from, you know, the abuse I was experiencing at home. But what I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous is a lot of that came to me just genetically, <laughs> just from who I am, you know. Um, I had a serious problem with the truth. I was a liar. And this is, I'm talking about long before I ever took a drink. As a little kid, I was a liar. I would lie to get myself out of trouble. I would lie to impress other people. Um, I would lie for no reason. And sometimes it even baffled me. And I remember having this firm resolution to stop lying. And I'd make it about 10 minutes into the day. And then at the end of the day, I was just so baffled. Um, There's a lot of other behavior that I had as a kid that Literally, I would be like, why, you know, people would be like, why did you do that? And I'd be like, yeah, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, I was just really out of control. And um, so when I found alcohol, um, 
you know, definitely the things that people in Alcoholics Anonymous describe, I, I relate to those, but more than anything, it just really made me not want to kill myself anymore. It was like the first time I really like enjoyed life or felt comfortable living life. Right. And, um, it didn't take long before I was drinking from morning till night. Um, and it's interesting because leading up to when I started drinking, you know, I had really built a lot of things up in my life, right? Kind of like the book talks about, we build these things up in our life and then we tear the structure down on our head. Um, you know, I was a straight A student. Um, I played national tennis. Um, you know, I played a lot of sports, um, but tennis was kind of the thing. I had gotten a full ride scholarship to college to play tennis. I mean, I had achieved some things. I had built some things up. And as soon as that drinking started, you know, slowly, I just started unwinding all of those things, all of those opportunities that I had. And, um, you know, I ended up, you know, prostituting, um, being affiliated with gangs, running guns, doing drugs, and just destroying the lives of everybody that was around me. Um, and it came to a point where I wanted to quit drinking and I couldn't. I spent a couple of years drinking against my own will, um, trying all of the things that we read about earlier and, and then some, you know, um, desperate desire to stop drinking um, and the total inability to stop. And I knew about Alcoholics Anonymous um, and there were people around me that talked about it. It, it seemed... <laughs> I was smoking crack with some guys one night <laughs> and um, this guy, I guess, had, had been in AA and he had relapsed, you know, and he was telling me, he's like, oh yeah, you know, telling me about AA, right? Drinking, smoking crack, telling me about AA. <laughs> and um, he said, yeah, you know. I have guys, I have their phone number. I can call them right now. They'll come pick me up. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> you know, I'm like, we're in a crack den. What do you mean they're going to come pick you up? It just seems not believable to me, you know? And there was another girl at the strip club and she was in AA and I knew that because she didn't drink. She was like the only stripper that didn't drink. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I would tell people, I want to stop drinking. You know, it's like, then just some people would just say, well, then just stop, you know, and I, you know, that was like, well, yeah, you don't understand. I want to. I felt like I wasn't maybe like they didn't believe me that I really wanted to stop. But this girl, she was like, yeah, well, you know, maybe you should try AA. And I was like, yeah, I know about the higher power thing. Yeah, I'm an atheist. I don't, I don't believe in that. And um, she's like, well, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be what, you, you know, she's trying to kind of share her experience, but first of all, I'm drunk while she's telling me, you know, and it just wasn't time. Um, but um, then at the very end, um, because I had been trying so many different things and unable to drink, I remember that there was one night and it's interesting because this night didn't stick out to me at the time. In fact, I think I was almost a year sober when I kind of remembered this, um, but I was drinking and um, just feeling so desperate and hopeless because I was drinking against my own will. And I remember saying a prayer, right? 
And I was a staunch atheist. I'm like the person who I'm looking for the religious person so that I can get into an argument with them and pick their religion apart, right? And um, I remember saying this prayer that was literally, I don't believe in you. And I know that I'm a bad person, but if you exist, I need help. And it's interesting that that didn't stick out to me because it was probably like a couple weeks later that I, I came to AA, but, you know, definitely as I started to have this spiritual experience in the program, that's when I started to connect the dots back to that pathetic prayer that I said, you know, I mean, I don't believe in you, right, but help me. <laughs> and, um, and I know that that, that, that prayer was answered um, a few times over. Um, so I get to Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, you know, like Gerald was talking about, I'm willing to do anything because I am pretty desperate. I will do anything except for anything that has to do with God, right? Um, so I came to meetings and I sat in meetings and I listened to what you guys were talking about. You know, and, and the low-hanging fruit, right? I was willing to pick that off, right? I got a sponsor, right? I came to the meeting before the meeting and after the meeting, right? I did the fellowship things, right? But that's kind of where it ended because the things I heard you guys talking about, like being honest and, you know, being of service and some of these things, I was trying to do those, but I couldn't even though I wanted to do those things because it seemed like, again, that was kind of low hanging fruit. Um, I had moral and philosophical convictions galore, like the book talks about. And I had those long before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I told you, I wanted to stop lying. I wanted to be an honest person. I wanted to be a good person. And I was incapable of doing that on my own accord. And so what ended up happening can I move this? I feel like I'm leaning over this. <laughs> um, so what ended up happening was I drank again. And um, I remember sitting in a detox up in Costa Mesa and again, feeling baffled, right? Like, how did this happen? You know, I, I met all of these people in AA and I related. They talked about how they wanted to stop drinking and they couldn't. And yet here they were. And they seemed to have a peace about them, a contentment about them. I was drawn to that. I wanted that kind of peace and just to be comfortable. And I wanted to be able to be honest. I wanted to be able to, you know, be in relationships that weren't totally toxic. Um, you know, and it, it baffled me. How did I end up drinking again? I did everything. And then it dawned on me, the big exception that I had made, right? I was going to do everything except, right? And whatever the except was doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is I was still running my own life. I was still in charge and I was determining what parts of this I was willing to do and what parts I wasn't willing to do. And I remember at that moment, I made a decision. I was like, okay, no more exceptions. And, you know, I'm grateful you know, that I drank again, because I don't know what, you know, how long it would have taken me to learn that lesson. Um, but because of that relapse, I, I learned that lesson that I wasn't going to make any exceptions with this, you know, 
And, um, you know, I was thinking a lot today just about, um, you know, the drinking for me seems like such a distant lifetime ago. I mean, I just, I, 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 it was really fresh when I first got here, you know, but the drinking and all the stuff I was involved in, it, it really seems like a, a lifetime ago. But the suffering from alcoholism, that is present day. <laughs> that, has, that has never gone away. Um, it has changed, absolutely. Um, my awareness of it um, has substantially increased. But today, I suffer from alcoholism. And it's that thing Gerald was talking about, that thinking thing that happens with me, right? The delusion that I live in. And I was just thinking about the course of my sobriety and how, you know, there's just these different periods of time, you know? I think when I, when I first got here, I was so uncomfortable. I was just crawling out of my skin. I just, I couldn't be comfortable around people. Um, I was, <laughs> I had the model that I'm not afraid of anybody or anything, um, but that was absolute delusion. I mean, I was terrified. I was terrified to let you get to know me. I was terrified of snitching on myself in this fourth and fifth step. Like <laughs> I am not snitching myself out. I could go to prison for some of the shit I've done. Um, you know, I was, you know, absolutely not going to be making an amends to my father, who was the perpetrator of my abuse. And you're never going to ask me or convince me that that's a good idea. Um, and again, that was motivated by fear. But, um, you know, I started moving through these steps. I did the things that I didn't want to. And um, I learned another lesson, which has really served me in my sobriety, which is Willingness, most of the time when the word willingness comes up, it's usually around something I don't want to do. <laughs> I'm perfectly willing to do things that I want to do. It's the things that I don't want to do that take willingness. And um, I have found over the course of my sobriety that when I do those things in spite of not wanting to do them, that's when some of the biggest blessings have come to me. The things that have been the hardest to do, um, the things that I thought the most um, are the things that have brought me the most joy after, after having done, taken the, whatever the action was. Um, so I go through this period, you know, I, I, I take the steps, I start as I'm going through the steps to just get slightly more comfortable, um, you know, Gerald's one of my spiritual mentors, right? And I have several of them. I have a sponsor, right? Had a sponsor that has taken me through the steps, right? I've, I've been with the same sponsor for years and years. Um, but I have a lot of spiritual mentors in my life, right? And a lot of people that invited me into their life and just allowed me to see how they were living life, right? And it was less about what they were telling me, because I wasn't going to be convinced by words, I'm nobody's fool, you know, but I, I actually saw how they were living their life. And that was pretty convincing to me. And I started to become a little bit more comfortable. And then I kind of go through this period of sobriety, I get involved with, with general service. And, and, and then I have this period where I am like litigious about AA, right? 
like <laughs> it's like the other end of the spectrum from how I was living my life before. But it was like, if you do this, you're going to get drunk. You can't do this. And, and the judgment that I had for other people's programs and they're not doing it right. And no, this is what the book says. And just this intensity. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, fortunately, because I suffer from alcoholism, I got to continue to take inventory as I continued to practice these steps and realize what an asshole I was being and um, how that wasn't really attracting anyone to me. And it wasn't really helping any relationships that I had. Um, and then I went through this period. Um, so I, um, my husband and I um, had a stillborn baby in 2017. And that was an experience that, oh my gosh, brought me to my knees and thank God for AA. AA saved my life again. Um, that was the worst pain I ever experienced in my life by far. And, um, you know, um, I was kind of in a fog for a while. Um, but one thing that just stands out to me is I just kept remembering. And, you know, I think it was that <laughs> the book talks about how you know, there's a piece of God deep down in each and every one of us, right? And then we have to connect to that inner resource. And, you know, I think that inner resource was speaking really strongly to me at that time, because I kept just knowing I just have to lean into AA right now. I just have to go to AA. And I have a home group that I got sober at that I've been going to ever since I got sober. It's still my home group. And if the only thing I could do that day was crawl out of bed and make it to that meeting. Um, and I was, God bless them. <laughs> I mean, I showed up for a year, it just wept. Um, and they just listened, you know, and some of my spiritual mentors are in that group. And, you know, each of them poured into me during that time in a different way, you know, whether it was just being there to answer the phone or being there to talk to me or I had one friend that just sent me spiritual readings every day, right? Just ones that he felt like were relevant to what I was walking through. And, um, and that whole experience really helped me to, um, again, recognize kind of my powerlessness, but it was momentary, right? Because the way that the delusion and the alcoholism works for me is like, I lie to myself. I'll convince myself of all kinds of things. And one of the biggest lies that I told myself was that I'm in an AA and I'm being helpful, right? My job is to be helpful now, right? And um, for decades in sobriety, I was not being helpful. I was being controlling, <laughs> you know, and um, but disguised as being helpful. I need to help my husband. I need to help him. He doesn't he doesn't understand that he's not doing it right. So let me help him. <laughs> Those of you that are married probably get that joke. <laughs> he was like, stop helping me. <laughs> and um, so, uh, you know, about a year later, I had my now living daughter and I got to, you know, now I'm experiencing parenthood trying to figure out how this thing works as a parent. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure this out, right? Um, because 
when my daughter was about 18 months, my husband and I met in AA. Um, and he ended up after 12 years of sobriety going out. And this was another experience for me, you know, that just demonstrates that the drinking's been long gone. <laughs> the suffering <laughs> is still here. Um, not only was I met with just being terrified that he was going to die, that I was going to be visiting him in prison, that I was going to be taking my, I had these visions of taking my daughter down to, you know, the streets of Santa Ana to the crack dens trying to find her dad, you know, I mean, I was terrified. I was sad. Um, but what was worse is that AA taught me I had to look at myself in that moment. And, um, you know, he had gotten really sick and he was angry at me, probably all those years of helping that I was doing. <laughs> and in fact, it was all those years of helping, right? I helped him, I helped him write to a drink. I don't take responsibility for his choice to drink. However, I'm responsible for me. And when that happened, I had to look at me and I had to look at my behavior and the way that I contributed to what was going on to our, in our marriage that led up to him thinking that the drink was a good idea. And what I came up with is, yeah, you're a controlling bitch. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be married to you. Really? You know, and the book talks about that we have to swallow some big chunks of truth about ourselves, right? I was 13 years sober. Oh my God, I still got to look at this stuff. I still got to swallow these big chunks of truth about myself. I thought I did that, you know, but, but no, you know, I'm continuing to suffer from alcoholism. I continue to have this delusion that tells me, oh no, you're being helpful. No, that whole time, everything that I had painted with the brush of being helpful, I was being controlled. You know, and the book talks about that. We try to run the show. We try to arrange the scenery, right? And that's what I was doing. But here's the scariest part about that, right? Delusion are the lies that we tell ourselves. I had no idea that's what I was up to. Not a clue. I really I genuinely thought I was being helpful. And it wasn't until it was time for that to be revealed to me that that was another behavior that I had to be willing to practice these steps with, you know? And I'm fortunate, um, you know, he was able to get sober again. Gerald, <laughs> Gerald and I sat in the parking lot of a hotel while he was finishing his crack. Uh, he was supposed to be coming out. We were gonna put him in Charlie Street but you had to check in by like 10 o'clock to get a bed. And we're like, 9.30, 9.45. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> Gerald's like, I'm gonna take you home. He dropped me off and what, five minutes later, he, he called and was ready, right? Um, I'm grateful for that. That was a gift for me. I definitely didn't want to raise my daughter by myself. And um, the craziest thing, just like my alcoholism has been, has become now one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, because without it, I wouldn't have found that power that enabled me to start living up to some of those moral and philosophical convictions, right? Because I can't do it on my own, right? But tapped into this source that is greater than me, 
that has allowed me to stay sober and my life to unfold the way that it has. Um, you know, same is true with this event with my husband. You know, our marriage today is a thousand times better. It's not without its issues, but a thousand times better today. And I have grown so much. So all of these painful experiences that I've been talking to you about, right? My daughter dying, my husband going out, right? Recently, my mother-in-law passed away. Um, a lot like my alcoholism have become some of the, the catalysts to my spiritual growth. Because during those times, I've had to lean into God. I was, you know, what I, what I used to do was lean into the booze. <laughs> You know, something bad happens. I'm, you know, drinking, right? I loved what the guy who took his birthday said, you know, it's like, I was also numbing out all those good times. I mean, um, me and Gerald and Roseanne, we took a trip to San Antonio. We went to the international convention. God, what year was that? Do you remember? 2010? Oh my God, we had so much fun. You want to talk about joy. You know, I thought I was going to be missing so much. The party was over. I wasn't ever going to have fun anymore. <laughs> oh, we had so much fun. We, we drove from here. We drove across the state of Texas. We made a couple stops. We went to the international convention. We ate great food. We rode on these little taxis down this river. We hung out with a bunch of drunks like you. Um, we laughed, we told jokes, we made fun of ourselves. Um, so many things that I would have missed. You know, I never thought, you know, I was gonna get married and have a kid. I didn't even want that. <laughs> and just so much joy has come from those experiences. And all of that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't been challenged to continue to spiritually grow in this program. And a lot of those growth points have come out of those desperate, despairing moments when all I had was my faith and this program to lean into. And I think that's important because it's not like I took the steps and okay, and my life was amazing, right? Um, I do have an amazing life, but I took those steps and I continue to take those steps. I continue to practice those things and my willingness to continue to do that more and more continues to be unveiled behind this delusion that gives me opportunity to, again, ask God to help me to live up to these new ideals, to this stuff that is now being revealed to me. That is another change, right? Another time that I have to take responsibility for my behavior, ask for help and try to change that behavior. And from that, I've been able to grow a lot. You know, like I was talking about all these different periods of my sobriety. I look back on them and I'm like, oh my gosh, what an asshole I was, you know? Uh, but I didn't think I was at the time, you know? And so that can only lead me to one thing. Like, what is it today that I'm doing to be an asshole that I'm totally unaware of? You know, <laughs> I know there's things, you know, I know there's behavior that even today I am delusional about and that I can't see for what it really is. 
And I don't see how it's affecting or impacting the people in my life. But I do, because I've had enough experience in this program, know that when it's time, it will be revealed to me. And at that time, it's up to me, you know, am I going to take responsibility for it and, and practice the steps and ask for help? And I hope that I can continue to do that one day at a time. Um, you know, um, another experience that I've had in sobriety. So I've, I've been with my husband for, for pretty much my entire sobriety. We met pretty early on. I think I had like a year sober. And we were friends before that. And um, anybody who was in my circle um, knew about this, I mean, decade-long resentment that I had at his family. <laughs> they were everything wrong in my life, right? I just, and, and I put him in such a bad position because I would talk so badly about them and I would make it so hard for him when he wanted to go and be with them and see them. I would just make it a miserable experience. Um, and when he went out, um, I knew that that was one of those things, those big chunks of truth that I had to digest about myself. And the truth of the matter is, even before that, you know, this resentment that I had, it really, it scared me. You know, I was scared of this resentment because remember, there was like this litigious point where it's like, I'm going to drink. If I can't get rid of this resentment. <laughs> and I would do what, you know, pray for, pray for everybody in this family, for all the great things that I want for myself to come to them. And, you know, then I'd get a new resentment. You know, I think it was gone and then it would come back up. And, you know, then I would just justify my behavior to everyone when I would talk about this resentment. I would just go to all my AA friends and tell them, oh, you won't believe what they've done now. And, and, and don't get me wrong. They are sick people. Okay? <laughs> but if you listened to me, I was a saint and they were, you know, they were just the worst, right? And, um, you know, I, I, was really sick with this resentment. And when my husband went out, I had to really look at that. And um, that was one of the things that I knew I had to change. And I, he was still out when I remember having this conversation with God and just saying, you know, if you give me the chance, I'd like to amend my behavior. You know, I'd like to do this differently. I'd like to live differently. And, um, and I was given that opportunity. And, um, you know, it's funny because as soon as I became willing, right, to do things differently and started behaving differently, guess what I found out? <laughs> I was the problem, <laughs> you know? Um, again, I'm not saying that they're not sick people, right? There are lots of sick people in the world. Gerald's laughing, he knows, he knows them. <laughs> um, but as soon as I stopped being the problem, there wasn't a problem anymore. I'm a sick person and they were able to love me in spite of it. And I learned how to love them in spite of, you know, some of the, the, their behavior, you know? And um, if that hadn't happened, if my husband hadn't gone out and I hadn't been willing to continue to practice these steps and God hadn't been willing to give me the grace and give me an op another opportunity, it would have been really sad last March when she passed away um, because 
for the next years after my husband ended up getting sober again, um, you know, I formed this incredible relationship with my mother-in-law. And for a girl who's estranged from her family and comes from a really abusive place, this woman was a very loving woman. <laughs> and I hated her. <laughs> you know, like, what is wrong with me? That I, she was, she, she was not without flaws, but she was so loving and so forgiving. And anybody that knew her felt like that about her, <laughs> except for me. I hated her. <laughs> but fortunately, um, because of my experiences, because of God, because of the steps, I got to experience that for the last five or six years of her life. And I got to experience her love and I got to share my love with her. And, um, you know, it was sad when she passed because I felt like I had squandered so many years and it wasn't that different than when I got sober. And I realized I, I felt like I had squandered so many years of my life. And really it was a blip. For me, honestly, I've been sober a lot longer than, than I drank at this point, but it, at the time it was half my life. I'm just old now. So that's why, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm so grateful without Alcoholics Anonymous, without God, I wouldn't have gotten to experience that. And, you know, like I told you, when I came in, I didn't want to be close to anybody. I certainly didn't want to have friends. You know, I certainly didn't want to get married. I certainly didn't want to find a family in Alcoholics Anonymous among all of these spiritual mentors that have walked with me through all of these different experiences that I'm sharing with you by my side, you know, not judged me, <laughs> forgiven me for some asinine behavior, you know, um, always welcomed my amends, always shared their experience, always picked up the phone, right? Um, and the family that I've got in my husband's family now, where we have really good relationships with, with a few of them, the ones that show up, a few of them, a few of them are, have either been in this program or need to be in this program. Right. Um, but, um, but even, even with that, you know, um, I've learned how to just be one among them, as opposed to, um, trying to always put myself above them, right? Like, because they're sick and I'm not, I'm sober. <laughs> no. <laughs> as soon as I think that, that's a real, real evidence of how sick I truly am, right? Um, but that's another thing that I really have to watch for in my life, right? I, um, I like to try to have power in situations. And a lot of times I use my anger um, to try to, and judgment, anger and judgment. And, um, you know, that's another really ugly thing about me, you know, and I have to watch for that. And one of the other things when my husband went out, um, because I was angry, right? Our, our marriage had been not going so well for about a year um, before he went out. And I was so angry with him. I know he was angry with me. And um, one of the only things that I could do because my mind was just racing, I had this little 18 month old baby. And one of the things that I turned to was my practice of meditation. And every day I would have the same fight with myself where I was like, the last thing that I wanted to do when my mind was racing and I was full of fear was to sit and be quiet. 
because I just knew my mind would be racing. Um, but every time I forced myself to sit down and that's when I started doing a lot of guided meditation too, because I felt like, okay, at least if I'm listening to somebody talk me through it, maybe I can be more present than my mind racing. Like, where's he at? Is he dead? Is he alive? You know, what's happening? Um, and I would do these meditations and every time I finished with the meditation, I felt a little peace and I felt you know, peace in the midst of the chaos that was going on in my life at the time. And then the next day would come and I wouldn't want to do the meditation again, <laughs> even though it worked the day before. And that's like the story of my life. I never want to do the things that are good for me. And I usually end up fighting with myself. Um, but also that's where the willingness comes in. And um, the more that I've continued to do these things, right, the more it just becomes something that I do, regardless of how I feel. If I feel like I don't want to do it, well, I just do it anyway. And, um, you know, I've been able to have peace in all of these experiences that I'm sharing with you about. And that's that peace that, to me, is the comfort that I get um, that comes from the relationship with a higher power that I have this knowingness that even when everything is in shambles in my life, that it's all going to be okay. Um, and that's what, you know, having stayed sober has allowed me to have had so many of those experiences that I have a real true trust now, you know, whereas at first it was like this flimsy read, right? Like the book talks about, I didn't think any of this stuff was going to address itself to my problems. I had a lot of problems. I didn't, I couldn't figure out how any of them were going to straighten themselves out. I couldn't figure out how I was going to ever be comfortable, how I was going to enjoy life ever again. And I didn't have to worry about that. I mean, I did, don't get me wrong. My head ran and spun on all of those things constantly. And that's ultimately a lot of what was making me feel so uncomfortable. But AA and the steps gave me something to do right? That made me be right here, right now. And in just doing those things, sometimes they were really small things that I had to do. You know, when I was first getting sober, I told you guys about how I was such a liar. And um, I lived at a sober living house and there was a pool at one of the house. They had, they had several houses, right? And there was a pool at one of the houses. And um, we were swimming in the pool and I made a joke like, yeah, everybody pees in the pool. And these girls were like, so offended. They're like, what do you mean everybody pees in the pool? I'm like, yeah, everybody pees in pools. Like, raise your hand if you haven't peed in the pool. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. So, I mean, maybe, you still have an opportunity to learn about the honesty in this program. <laughs> so anyway, right. I just saw the look on their faces and I was like, okay, well, I guess they didn't find that funny. So then one of the girls confronted me later. She's like, I heard you've been peeing in the pool. <laughs> no, it was a joke. I haven't been peeing in the pool. Right? I had been peeing in the pool. Damn it, I lied. I told her I hadn't been peeing in the pool. I had peed in the pool. 
now I have to fucking make amends about it. Like if it's not embarrassing enough that I have to go and admit that I lied, I also have to admit to lying about peeing in the pool. But you know what? I didn't want to do it, but I was willing to do it because I desperately wanted a better life. Not just to stop drinking, a better life because my life was fucked up, right? I just wanted a better life. I wanted to be comfortable. So you know what I did? I marched my ass over there and I told her. I was like, I'm sorry. I lied to you. I did pee in the pool. I'm not going to do it again. And then, do you know what? <laughs> no, no, but it, no, but I, I went. It's better than that. <laughs> I, I went back the next day to this other house and on the sliding doors, they had drawn a poster that said P-O-O-L and they had put a big circle around the P with a slash mark through it. And I was like, okay, got it. I deserve that. No peeing in the pool. Fine. I had to do all kinds of things like that, you know, that were embarrassing, you know, um, not as embarrassing as some of the things I was doing when I was drinking. <laughs> My willingness to do those embarrassing, uncomfortable things probably saved me a lot of embarrassment. Um, but that's been my experience, right? Um, I know there's going to be another bottom that I'm going to hit in sobriety, um, where I'm going to have to look at the ugliness of my behavior and be willing to change it. But ultimately, you know, more often than not, Besides these seasons that I've talked to you about, I am now just baffled with my life. I mean, it's got to be at least once a day that I just go, how did I get such a good life? And I'm just taken by it. It's like it takes my breath away sometimes, right? Like prostitute, gang member, crackhead, alcoholic. I mean, I had stopped showering when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, I was not mentally right. Nothing was right. And today, you know, um, I have a beautiful family. Um, my daughter is hilarious. She started dabbing now. Oh, I didn't tell you that. She started dabbing now. <laughs> she cracks me up. She's just totally her own person. I get to be a part of her life. I get to try to figure out how to be a parent and not control her because she's God's kid. That's a tough one to figure out that balance. Um, I have a husband um, who's in a PhD program. His life <laughs> is amazing as well. Um, you know, similar kind of story to me. And he's in a PhD program, you know. Um, I have a great career. Um, I love what I do. Um, I get to be the boss, so... <laughs> I love that, but I have to practice, you know, not serving, right? Serve the people on my team. <laughs> uh, so thank God I learned that lesson about control. Um, I have amazing friends in my life that are family, you know, Gerald and Roseanne and I, we used to do all the holidays together, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, um, and more than anything, I just have peace. I'm comfortable in my skin. 
I have a lot of joy in my life. I laugh all the time. A lot of times it's at myself, <laughs> um, but it's laughter and it's genuine. Um, I don't, I don't miss anything that I've been asked to give up or that I've been, you know, that I've come face to face with in terms of needing to give up. Everything that I've been willing to do in those moments that I didn't want to do them has led to something so much better for me. And, you know, I like who I am as a person today. I'm still sick. I still suffer from alcoholism. There is still more to be revealed. Um, but I feel good about who I am. I'm honest. I'm all of those things that I always desperately wanted to be a good person, a good friend, a good wife, a good mom, all those things that I aspire to be but never could be. And everything that I've told you tonight <laughs> has only to do with one thing, and that's this relationship with the source. Because I told you, I was trying on my own, to be honest, to get sober, to do all of the, to stop controlling people, right? To be a good person. And I didn't have the necessary power to do that. But the steps and Alcoholics Anonymous has helped me to tap into that power that has enabled all of these things to unfold. And um, I am grateful for that. Thank you for letting me come and share with you today.